and you couldn't. I drink a lot of coffee. I, t I eat a ton of vitamins. I drink a lot of water. I could do none of that because I couldn't get out to go to the bathroom. So, <laughs> so they put me in this thing. And inside, honestly, I started having panic attacks. Literally, panic attacks. You know, people call me the panic attacks, panic attacks, and I had to have them. A little bit of history of that, anyway. So I really did. So I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this, man. I'm feeling really, really scared. And then it hit me just what he said. I went, Oh, this is perfect. This is perfect. I mean, it is like designed for for this for this kind of really unusual dude. This, you know, the Bruce Wayne guy, the guy who who has this other personality that's really dark and really alone and really kind of depressed. This is it. You just take all that stuff, that suit, all that. All that stuff that suit was giving me. And I said, oh, I got it. I know exactly how to do this now. So it's odd how those things happen to actors. You know, you like a thing you think, I have no idea how to do this. Something will happen often in your life or something. And I think all these guys will tell you that. That comes up and you just kind of get it. I don't know how you get it, but actors are kind of pretty extraordinary in that regard. Yeah, I think it's fear is what happens. <laughs> I had all of that in the dark night and I wasn't wearing the suit. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I forget everything I just did. <laughs>have like that looming presence above that you know the batman is above the alley and mm -hmm. is about to get justice somehow but it's always interesting to me and this is where this is why i like having someone who's uh as educated as you are in this field because it's stuff i rethink about is batman is watching this happen but he's also allowing someone else to go through a similar trauma as him not right not murder the, you know no one is but uh the father is attacked the family's robbed and the wife slash mother is screaming and he's <laughs> waiting uh, for and the criminals to, to get up to a rooftop and then he's <laughs> going to scare the shit out of them. It's like it, one, it adds to, to his theatricality uh, and at least the way he drops in on them when they think they're secure. But two, you, it really does make you think like, are you, are you kind of just letting this play out to see you have a justification for the amount of, like, ass-kicking you're about to do? Like, do you want them, please, please, like, harm this family so I can beat the shit out of you? And that's kind of screwed up in a way. And it goes back to some of the arguments that you often hear about in a lot of the, the story arcs where it's like, ah, oh, Batman's kind of the... It's kind of the reason that shit gets as crazy as it gets. He allows some of it to, to transpire before he interjects himself because you have to be in some way guilty um, to, to at least deserve the, the broken bones that you're about to receive. Yeah, no in some uh, minority report, uh, you know, complications right. here. Uh, right. <laughs> so Batman has to let that trauma play out, kid. Like, you know, <laughs> one day you can dress up as a bat and deal with the it. The more you talk about it, I mean... <clears throat> And if we really, because again, we're still actually staying thematically with Batman, even and Batman specific to to this film. I mean, we'll be able to stretch out and get quite a bit of content. God willing. Um, now it's just God more of like an effort level on <laughs> our part, and that's more me, honestly, because I uh, was all of my podcasting hobbies and in real life. Got like forty of them, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's like let's just do an eighty-nine part special on Batman while <laughs> we're at it. Um, but I, I do think that it's it's possible. Uh, you're you're actually very willing to do so to abandon your child to uh, I don't know his own trauma of bath time without <laughs> without, without his father. 
But he well, can go back and it's listen. That his mother's there, though, because as we've seen, <laughs> the trauma occurs when when the mother is distant and and not attached. Um, so I don't even have to fucking be there, right? He can still be a normal human being um, as long as she's not creepy or makes him like pray in a closet or, you know. I don't think we've got of... anything. I don't think so. Like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, closest bit of, uh, I guess, religious imagery we have on this <laughs> list, and. You know, you don't often get like a last temptation of Christ when you're just focusing on blockbusters trying to be <laughs> Batman. No. Um, we do have Lion King on the list, so we can talk about fatherhood a little bit there. Uh, there you go. I'll be the expert, obviously, That's and perfect you can for that. just listen to my views on parenting. Yeah. No, I, I, I'll concede those points. That's fine. Clearly, I, I'm uh, a distant parent. He thinks I'm gone to go get cigarettes, and I'll be back when he's 18. Why are you doing this to me? You hear me? Why are you doing this to me? I can't. I just. I just can't. What a maid tell her? Tell her she's wearing the shirt that I spilt the margarita on and the earrings I gave her for Christmas. Molly, Sam says to tell you you're wearing the shirt that he spilled the margarita on and the earrings he gave you for Christmas. Don't you see? I'm not a fake. Not about this. Give me a penny, quick. What? Push a penny under the door now. What are you be talking about push a penny under the door? Just do it. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into Ghost, gentlemen. I think this is the uh, first one that probably was not aimed at kids. I don't know what this was rated. This wasn't rated R, was it? Uh, I would imagine it's PG-13, but I'm not for sure. Yeah, that's I think that's I my f- first complaint, having you know watched it again. I'm sure I saw this on TV or something as a kid, but I don't think this was something that I like uh, was seeking out as a child. Um, no, it's P- yeah, PG-13. That's my first criticism. The only thing I remembered about this movie, I think most people, I think it's iconic for the uh, the Pottery. Uh, start of the lovemaking that comes mm-hmm. off of, as naturally it would, um, this shared pottery experience between um, a, a man and a woman here. And it, it did not go, <laughs> certainly not into nine and a half weeks territory for my liking. <laughs> Uh, and actually, I you know, I'm going to throw her under the bus, too. My wife were watching this, and I don't know if she'd ever seen it, but she was aware of that sequence. She had a big criticism. She's actually one of those people that's really, like, kind of annoying. Uh, if you're, like, really – if you're really into the movie, it's annoying. If you're not into it, then you love it because she, like, notices every little continuity gap or something that's, like, that didn't carry over. Mm. And this one's as easy as it gets. They are not dirty in the slightest. Like, this is the cleanest post-pottery mm. lovemaking sex scene <clears throat> And it, I was glad that my wife and I were on the same page with that, that we wanted to see <laughs> all of that grime on Swayze in their hair, the cute pixie cut with Demi Moore. There's none of that here. It is it is like the most tame vanilla sex scene that is famous that I can imagine. And we're talking about not like something like a classic film. They could have done a little something more here, but they don't. You think they would have made it more memorable if... Um... Because uh, I think it's already, like you said, it's already iconic. But would it would it raise in the echelon of of those kind of scenes if if they had included the the clay and made it a little more dirty, a little more messy? 
I mean, I don't, I don't know if the fear there is that you're then putting it into like erotic ghost thriller thing. Cause this is definitely more of a, um, I think it fits more like a somewhere in time type thing with Christopher Reeve. I think it's in that mold where it's like so saccharine sweet stuff. So maybe they were afraid of making it too dirty. Uh, I just know that I felt very misled from like, oh, that's why that was so famous. So I Mike guess. wants the camera, as, as they're making love, to pan over to the clay that they made, and it's a phallic symbol, basically. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the credits come up. You know. <laughs> Ghost. I'm trying, well, you know, in fairness to me, um, yes, you're right. I mean, I would love that. Uh, if, if that was <laughs> the title cut moment was, was there. But even something like Titanic has is a little like it's literally steamier as they have sex in the back of a car on the titanic i think my disappointment is fair uh derek i love like derek when he does not go on the record at all he just like dodges this this is i'm blaming actually teddy for teddy being the permanent guest is this derek when he doesn't want to comment on something he knows teddy he can rely on teddy just to jump in yep with the phallic humor to come in oh i said something ridiculous that's relevant though i mean you know he's touching on it It, i'll say (laughs) that was patrick swayze Well, actually, I have a criticism about his ability to touch and when he can and cannot touch. And oh, they, so we're getting into the rules then. Yeah, I don't like that either. And actually, I do want to save that point because that's when you talk about a continuity error, that's probably my biggest. Um, but how do I say this? I agree with the idea that the sex doesn't uh, tr- transcend to some level where we're like, wow, that really was a steamy, you know, that's what I was expecting. That's what I was waiting for. It's very similar when we uh, talked about how Stella got her groove back. Um, yeah. And about speed. Yeah. How you decided enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> Batman instead. <laughs> sex is disappointing on film. <laughs> so let's go to sexless Batman. You wanted steam and you didn't get it. At well, the let same me ask time. you this, Derek. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say at the same time though, Everyone knows of that iconic scene. Does it make sense? Like, it's like everyone has a visualization or has romanticized this scene all because of how it starts. And we never get the payoff. But in five years from now, we'll talk about, you know, you ever see ghosts? Well, (laughs) we know that one scene Mm -hmm. until we go back and watch it. We're like, oh, it's that? Like, it goes from pottery to them being neat and clean. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's another one of those. Uh, What was your question, though? Teddy, well, would this would this be a big payoff for you if, like, you know, you get what we got with that first scene, but they revisit it later on where they are making love as, with him as a ghost, or him <laughs> as Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> Either way, they steered clear of of, of any full blown um, girl and girl scissoring there because did you notice that? Did you notice Thanks, that? that was, well, you know, to each their own, and so. <laughs> Well, yeah, Demi, Demi closes her eyes when they're dancing, yes. and I noticed that. Like, she doesn't ever open them, because she doesn't want to see Whoopi there. <laughs> and you may have this one opportunity to, like, you know, you're wanting to feel their warm embrace, right? So, it's at least simulating enough the the warmth and identity of that person, of your person. It doesn't, it can't only feel like Whoopi. It has to, in some way, feel like, um, feel like Swayze's character. But they, you know, they don't kiss, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no actual intimacy outside of the the embrace. I actually of the hug. read that I think it was Ebert, uh, who I, I forgot to mention on last week's episode. He was a big fan of Dick Tracy, by the way. So Ebert was totally against. But he gave it four sense. stars. 
yeah makes sense for his age yeah i was about to say uh old bastard um but and he liked to eat Derek, so maybe he was a fan of all the sequences that you didn't like. Oh, God. Um, Roger, when do we eat? That's all he said. When do we eat? Rolled over onto his grave onto Siskel. Oh, Jesus. Cut that out of this episode. This is what happens when you record two of them back to back. The second one is going to be off the rails. Uh, he, I think it was his comment on Ghost. He really disliked the sequence where... So Whoopi Goldberg wins the uh, Academy Award for uh, uh, mostly a comedic performance, which I applaud because I don't feel like comedy is ever really rewarded with the the prestige of like the Oscars. Uh, mm. I think it should be because that's you know for, I'd think for most dramatic actors they couldn't do what comedians can on screen. <clears throat> but yeah, she is his gateway back to, um, you know, this, this world, as far as the connection, right. the communication device and Derek kind of alluded to, you know, they introduce different rules as they go. And one of them is that Swayze sees another presence and another ghost able to possess her body. Now, I guess there's some consent here, which is nice. Swayze just doesn't do it. Well, after he sees someone else jump into Whoopi, he doesn't then just pile on. But because they've developed, <laughs> keep your <laughs> that was purposeful, <laughs> but <laughs> keep it together. <laughs> I just am trying to make sure the audience knows as much as I wanted sex in the pottery scene at the beginning, <laughs> I'm in no way saying that I want a weird supernatural paranormal menage a trois with Whoopi Goldberg to me and Swayze. That may not be consensual in nature. I don't even want to if it's consensual at all. I don't even want to if the parties agree to it. Uh, but she allows him to possess her so they can have this sweet moment together of, I guess, making human contact again. Ebert's uh, criticism. He gave this one two and a half stars. Um, let's see if I can find the line. Um, he said the uh, single best scene is the one in which Sam overtakes Otome's body to caress Molly. Quote, in strict logic, this should involve us seeing Goldberg kissing more, but of course the movie compromises and shows us Swayze holding her. Too bad, because the logical version would actually have been more spiritual and moving. He may be right as far as the concept. Right. I don't think audiences could accept it, because I think, like we've already done, the giggling would commence, and you would just, like, I'm trying to imagine watching this in a packed theater, where you then see Goldberg just full on making out to me more and having to remind yourself in your head, like, well, that's actually Swayze. That's her husband that she lost. This is so beautiful. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think the human race is that evolved to not laugh at that moment or just be upset about it. Like just like discomfort for, for various reasons. Right. You, Cause you could still, I could still imagine my very conservative mother and father around this time period watching this film and not having any issue with with the the premise of it, um, uh, the interactions that take place, the relationships. There are some things though that they could play out that I think would have made more audiences uncomfortable, and for better or for worse, uh, it just would have. And so I'm not surprised that they would have just decided from the beginning, oh yeah, we're not doing that, right? Like there's not going to be this makeout scene between you guys, and and we're just going to run with that. No, no, the, the, what they did worked well enough. Even though I'm, I'm in agreement on that particular sequence, I think that's probably my biggest issue with the movie is it is like the most vanilla version of like a 
ghost story because ghost stories are usually about hanging around to right some wrongs. So in this case, it's a you know it's a business thing with his partner uh, has been um, you know, funneling money out of their. I don't even really know what they do out of their accounts. They're uh, bankers. He's, are they? Something but like his that. partner's involved with some sort of drug uh, runners in some regard. Some some bad people who will take his life if he does not somehow move the money around to pay the debts. Uh, and so what starts is, I guess, an attempted robbery, attempted mugging to gain like the access code or something from Swayze. Ends up in his friend being killed by mm-hmm. this third party. Um, it's very similar to another one we have on the list very soon with Harrison Ford, the fugitive in that regard. But... You know, like Swayze hanging around to figure that out, like, you, you see he can either go towards the light. And you see anyone who's bad that dies, these shadow figures, presumably from hell, come up and drag them away. So they're not allowed. So only the only thing in this world that can be a ghost, you have to assume, is someone there with a valid, good, noble reason, right? Based on the rules that we've seen in play. So what do we make of the guy that trains him in the subway who seems Stuck. insane? Is it, is it, or we just assume that because he chose to stay there so long that he's like totally lost his reasoning for even being on this plane of existence. Or he served his purpose by teaching Patrick Swayze how to touch things. <laughs> and now when he jumps into the subway, he, he actually went, went off to the afterlife <laughs> he wrote it to heaven, is what you're saying, after he... So let me get this straight. Yeah. If everyone has, or not everyone, but all the folks that, that actually exist in this afterlife plane exist because there's some great, important duty that they must accomplish or attend to. And his is sitting on a train for years, just waiting for Swayze to show up <laughs> and teach him Losing how to kick Losing his a, mind. Yeah. <laughs> the further he gets away from reality. Yeah. And guess what? You can't smoke, um, which I would be really pissed about in the afterlife anyway. Uh, and that's it. Like, that's it. Um, I, w- I would actually say his his uh, his unfinished business is probably whether or not, depending on whether he was pushed or he jumped off. Hmm. Uh, if he jumped off, he's probably going to come to terms with that himself. You know, like, oh, why did, I, why did I end my own life? Or if he was pushed off, then he's like Patrick Swayze. He's got to be able to go back and find his killer. I like the and real just, analysis of the real ghost. In this movie, we don't. I don't care about the Patrick Swayze character. Let's talk about the guy on <laughs> the, the guy train. That's continuously riding the train is yeah. the, the real so ghost this one, here. Yes, yeah, I and I don't know if maybe that, that that is kind of the gist as far as like there is some sort of unfinished business for all these ghosts, but it doesn't really make sense because um, it doesn't make sense outside of Sam Wheat's character. Like if mm-hmm. you look at like Orlando, who just got in, who who became part of. Um, Otome long enough to talk about his ex-wife's or former mm. wife's hair, you know, like obviously she she was trying to figure out something about the insurance policy, obviously, and, and maybe that's his unfinished business, I don't know, but like, it's not really it, 
the the logic doesn't really hold up when you start looking at all these other ghosts around. But I mean, I think that's what we're supposed to assume. Do you think that their attempt to tie this in, as most romance uh, films do, to lack of commitment? Because they have this thing that <clears throat> ends up being used as sort of like a cheat code, where um, Sam will not re- reciprocate with uh, "and I love you." Uh, he'll say "ditto," and that's something that when the Whoopi Goldberg character, Oda May, comes in. It's something like, oh, only he would know that, that specific. But it seems also, they're also trying to tie it into the fact that he won't commit to eternity. And in the, uh, I guess, the human world on this plane, that eternity would be committing to this woman for the rest of his life. And he also has the inability to commit to the afterlife, the eternity of, of going into the white light. Do you think, I felt like that was, I don't know if I wanted more or less of that. Like, cause it's like, that's certainly just like sort of subtext. Uh, but it also doesn't seem like at least the way Swayze performs it or the way the character's written that he's really that three dimensional. It just seems like he's stressed at work cause he can't find this money. Then he's killed. Uh, and that's it. I'd actually don't buy into the fact that he's a non-committal guy as far as how he interacts with Demi more. It's just that she says it cause he won't say, I love you back. Exactly. That, so then, so <clears throat> the, the subtext can be there, but the narrative really doesn't fit. At no point do you really look at their relationship either before he dies or after he dies and say, who's the reacher? Who's who's the settler? Like, she's all in on him and he seems standoffish. No. that I mean, that's not really presented because there's even, the, you know, the scene where they're in bed together and uh, she's essentially asking him, do you have reservations about, um, you know, us moving in together? And it's not the where the audience knows like, yes, this guy does. And he's, you know, kind of pulling the wool over her eyes. It's a blatant. No, like this isn't an issue for me. I just feel, I have a foreboding sense of bad. Uh, and that seems to be like his hangup is, is he sees the, you know, the plane crash on TV. He feels like something bad is going to occur, but I don't know if it's, it can be tied back into any sort of, any sort of, of questions about his commitment to her. And no, I do think that's initially presented, but it's not how it's played. Because he's proven right. So the audience is like, see, there's something supernatural. Something he knew was happening, he was yes. going to be killed. But that's none of that is a reflection on their relationship. Like the accident, it actually has nothing to do with her. It's all no. this, this business partner who it seems like he has a good relationship with. It even seems like the business partner isn't some maniacal villain. He's just acting out of desperation. It's killer be killed. S- I'll actually say this, because uh, you kind of led with, okay, here's my one hang-up, the sex scene. Yep. Uh, I had one hang-up initially with this film, and I don't know if it would have made it a better film or not, but in my mind, I was trending towards this idea that when Swayze dies, um, he will be there to, to you know comfort her through her process of grieving, and Whoopi's character will, will assist him in doing that. Like, that was what I thought this movie was going to be about. And that eventually there would be some sort of conflict because she would just so happen to fall in love with his friend. Like, I was thinking, he's a good guy. Um, he, they seem like they had this really close-knit relationship, and that ultimately, Swayze's struggle will be to let it go, to let her go. So you're going with the uh, Mrs. Doubtfire effect where (laughs) Swayze Swayze in his ghostly form of drag as uh, Oda May, as Whoopi Goldberg, spies on this guy, sees that Pierce Brosnan, all he says about his kids is like, Sally Field's great. 
Her kids are great. I think this is the one. I think I just want to yeah. spend the rest of my days making her happy. And then I always love that Mrs. Doubtfire because it's so totally throws you for a loop because you expect like that's that's right, Robin Williams, take him down. This this evil right. man coming take your family. And then you have this moment of reflection. It's like, oh, they're probably going to be better off <laughs> without you, dude, or with you in another place. You separated from her. Um, that's also a more interesting movie uh in in that regard it it leans more romance than this i, th- I think my problem is that it's too saccharine sweet in the romance angle that it sort of dilutes the thriller aspect it's this weird mm-hmm. half and half thing with it where i don't feel that the film is that uh it doesn't build the tension enough for me and one of it derek is the the they keep throwing new rules to s- sort of allow the characters to have uh, right. an out uh the other thing is i just don't have enough time with the two characters to really like care that much about the romance because Sam dies far too quickly. He's just dead. I mean, he, he does his Swayze acrobatic thing and gets that, that statue or whatever hanging out from the window and pulls it in <laughs> at the beginning. But he should have been over to whip that guy's ass in the alleyway. Then that's that. that or what if he that, died trying to get that stupid statue up? What if he fallen to his death and it was to me more fault <laughs> than he was well, dead? That, that was, but that was an issue that I had was how the mode through which he died. I hated that. I hate it. I would have preferred it to have been like another scenario where he's going to do that little acrobatic stuff through out the window and something doesn't work and he falls and he, he dies. Right. When they, when they added in the, all of this plot with, with his friend being the ultra bad guy and his connection to the mugger in the street, it, it did disconnect me from what I thought was going to be a pure romance. Um, and so then when they added some of those other elements to it, um, and this is what you were talking about. It's, it's, they didn't commit to either one and they could never fully commit to it. They couldn't commit to it in the romantic, like the, in the sex scene, they couldn't commit to their relationship actually mattering for us. Um, because we're, we really understand the strength of their relationship off of her tears because that's, that's the connected, that's the connectivity. He can't touch her. Technically, depending on the scene, he can't touch her. He can slap her. Well, that's that's the thing. He can he can punch and push and uh, scare the, you know the, the the bad guy into running out in the middle of the street. But then when he gets back to the apartment with Oda May, he's basically having to just hand her information again. When I'm thinking, why don't you just walk in there and touch her face? I mean, you just push someone out in the street. It does seem like they're playing more with what we imagine or the explanations we've concocted in uh, entertainment for ghosts as far as things banging on the wall or things falling. Like, it seems like they're trying to do like a they're reverse engineering, like why this is always the case in ghost stories, which uh, I, I would say, Derek, you probably see these rules played with more when it comes to like vampire films. It seems like the rules are far more established with that particular monster, uh, which ones they use and and do not. Um, I guess it gives them somewhat of a hero's journey here. Of course, according to Teddy, the hero's journey was the crazy guy in the subway who (laughs) finally succeeded in teaching Swayze how to, I think as you just put it, touch things. (laughs) But for me, it always just felt like a cheat. I'm just like, okay, we just have to like, we have to figure out some way for Swayze to have some impact. And, it's fun at times, but I don't know what you think, Teddy. I almost kind of prefer the ghosts having to purely rely on the Whoopi Goldberg character or what he can communicate to them to get them to listen to him more so than what, you know, him coming in as physically as like super ghost and fighting these people. 
Mm, maybe to an extent, um, because in contrast, my favorite uh, scene from the movie is when uh, they've already closed out the account for the money, and Carl is just freaking out in his in his office, and then Sam's just messing with him. You know, he's just he's punching keys into the computer, telling him who would like call him a murderer. Like that stuff for me was like comedic. What well, even what well, even was funnier before that was when Sam's just sitting in the chair and he's like heckling him behind him, and he's like basically telling him he's going to become fertilizer. And like Teddy would definitely be a red rum style ghost or possession person. He would <laughs> speak in riddles and taunts and clues. You know it. I would just Derek wakes up and they <laughs> shower. His uh, his mirror starts to steam, and he, I just write mole. <laughs> No, uh, I think I think I'll give this movie a pass more so than the two of you because <clears throat> I I actually like the balance because I don't think you could go too far into one one or the other um, without it wouldn't be as uh, big of a success I think in the early '90s as it was because if it was strictly just the romance and and her having to deal with it uh, him having to deal with letting go I don't think you're going to get the men in there to watch it like I think I think that's only going to be like uh, a romantic movie that I think it'll you know it'll probably get high marks, but I don't think you're going to get the commercial success. And if you go too far the other direction with just a thriller, I don't think you're going to have that connection with uh, with it with his relationship with Demi Moore. Like I don't think it's going to be as strong. So I, I think they did a good job of telling that line because you know even with the dance scene toward the end, which by the way. I always, I always just watch this movie like in bits and pieces on TV. I thought that was like in the middle of the movie. I had no idea it was like right at the end. But yeah, because we got to drain uh, Super Ghost Swayze of all his yeah. uh, powers, I guess. Which is poor planning on his part. Like he, mm-hmm. he knew that was going to happen. I think because you know the the other ghost said something well, about that. As you that. said, he'd been taunting this dude. He's been <laughs> trying to get him to come come out and attack them. And but you know he's just got to do the. Uh, Gotta go back to the pottery bit. I was just looking up some trivia, and pretty much everything I've complained about is something that the director here, the director of Airplane, by the way, this is like his first dramatic uh, foray. Interesting. Um, basically said they tried, uh, they planned to do a sex scene on the floor, like at, immediately after the pottery thing, and mm-hmm. they couldn't work out how to not make it disgusting and authentic where people where real people wouldn't have to get up and be like, okay, we need to take this to the shower <laughs> instead. Like, which I'm just saying he didn't try hard enough. Why don't you just make it a shower sex scene directly from that? Then thank you. Derek. Just kiss the all the way there. Step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently Oda May was originally supposed to die as well. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she, she was killed by the gangsters. And then she, possesses her own mangled corpse and attacks them in an Otome fight sequence. <laughs> oh, God. Also, <laughs> better? I don't know if that wins Whoopi and Oscar, if they went that direction where no, she becomes her I own personal zombie. I think I think in Teddyverse, that would be... I was going to say, that's a 10 out of 10 for you. The Dickverse yeah. is where we want Yeah, but if, be. I, if I'm being completely honest, though, I, I don't think I would buy that at all. Like they, I think you would you would lose the audience at that point. <laughs> that starts to delve into, like, jumping the shark uh, if it hadn't already for some people, you know. I want to say that you're on the right side of history here, Teddy, because this made over uh, half a billion dollars in 1990 money. 
the box office on a budget of 22 million highest grossing film of 1990. So we've you know kind of talked about in the previous two episodes, two films trying to go right at Batman and that success. Uh, this one, I would not say is mimicking Batman in the slightest. The only thing we can really tie it to is the, you know, the idea of this sort of otherworldly presence that is going to spy on and sort of stalk criminals that have broken up a family, which is, you know, that's Batman, his origin personified. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think I read and I can't find the exact trivia. I don't know where I read it, but even at the time of its release was like the fifth most successful movie of all time. It's that's insane to me because I'm watching it now and (laughs) well, it could be fine. Like, you know, with all my problems, like, well, that that wasn't a waste of time. That's a fine movie. Like it's maybe not (laughs) for my particular interests, my more perverted Mm -hmm. interests. It doesn't suit me. I couldn't imagine something like this now, like sweeping the country. Uh, Remove the fact that there are no movie theaters. Let's go back to 2019. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't imagine this kind of soap opery melodrama about a man coming back to not haunt his wife, but to warn her and to like try to connect with her before he moves on to the afterlife being like the fifth most popular movie of all time. It's, it's strange to kind of go back to that particular time capsule where something like this would be such a success. I don't think it would have the same success, but I think it would have the same buzz. If that makes any sense. If you had the right actors to play um, the main, the main, uh, the main three roles, um, can we look at like, I'm trying to think of some of the biggest, like, romances as far as in, in the movies like look at how much people i didn't watch it but it was like the fourth remake of uh what's the bradley cooper uh Lady stars Gaga. born stars born yeah mm-hmm. so like you know that thing became this huge thing that you know it was it was kind of in a bubble like it only happened it was only big for that year and no one really talks about it anymore but that song's still pretty big i think if you have the right actors and you have this is a unique premise i will say like it's kind of cool like your main character dies 20 minutes into the movie you don't see that very often where they're trying to solve their own murder. Basically it's kind of cool. You know, it's, it's a different concept. So I think, I think if it had happened now and people hadn't seen that kind of plot before, I think it would still garner a lot of buzz. I just don't think it would be a smash hit at the box office. Like it, like it was then. Um, Cause obviously they're going up against, <laughs> they're going up against like Dick Tracy. And whereas, you know, you've I got know. Some, just, I was like, you've man, got, he's been so positive. The disgust for 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> you've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe going on now, you know, where you've got bigger budgets, bigger, bigger graphics and explosives going on. Like back then, this, this didn't have much competition, you know, before uh, those hackneyed uh, actors like Al Pacino and <laughs> Robert De Niro. <laughs> Do I need to put Sin of a Woman on this podcast, Derek? Al Pacino finally wins for his Oscar. For next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Uh, no. All right, so me and Derek are just kind of meh on this again. Teddy, strangely positive. Uh, if we can just wrap it up with, like, relating it to Batman <laughs> in some way. What is it about, like, because I assume this market is aimed at people. Derek, you're talking about your parents. Yes. So, like, something like Batman would they have accepted that like in 89 as far as like knowing what it was like going into it, would that have been good entertainment? Like, cause it feels like ghosts for all my complaints about them pulling their punches. It seems like the fact that they pulled their punches made it like this four quadrant, everyone, this can appeal to everyone, no matter what your spiritual persuasion of all the films we've watched thus far. Would you say that this is the, the I mean, has the, you know, the cast the widest net of accessibility. Because it's some, playing with generally accepted archetypes, no matter what your belief system is. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it remind at the same time you would look at this as a very 
based off of the concept, you would look at it as a very a, a adult film. Not mm-hmm. adult from a sexual, I guess, perspective. More of like um, uh, adult contemporary music that would have came out around the same period. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like like uh, Whitney Houston. And um, uh, who sings that one song, Teddy? Um, the uh, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? You used to sing it. And he will to... when he haunts you and is riding mole, <laughs> mole. <right>. in steam. <laughs> but like the Kenny G's and the, like, this feels like that, that <laughs> the people that were listening to that in 1990, um, were saying, we got to go watch ghost. That looks like a hell of a time. And it so it's an interesting point that you're saying this is the Kenny G version of <laughs> Robert Pattinson as Batman saying, I am vengeance. This is like the Swayze is the soft, cuddly form of vengeance where yeah. the people he's going to get revenge on, he didn't even know that they were bad people. And he just expresses great disappointment as he sends his former friend and partner to hell. It's just <laughs> like the look on him is like, I take no pleasure in this. Well, can, I can't believe you would do this to me. So contrast that though to, to how Bruce looks at uh, criminals and criminals that, or any you know, criminals, any not even criminal. ones that directly affected him. Not right. even Joe Chill Joker, Teddy, who I know you love and keep looking for. <laughs> By contrast, Joe you have Swayze, Joker. like, yeah, you guys did some terrible shit to me that ruined my life with this woman that I did owe. And I, you know, he's not, ang- he's not brooding the whole time. He's like Teddy was saying, he's in a, uh, you know, office chair pushing it back and kind of like cackling it. Like, look at what I can do. Cause I'm a ghost. Um, it's a, it's a great contrast to how, you know, Bruce looks at everyone who, you know, doesn't pay a parking ticket. Um, so he's pretty, well, he's in the, uh, uh, even though he's still alive, he's in this basically self-imposed prison sentence of hmm. thinking and living among criminals. So who's and more trapped? Robin. <laughs> Who is more trapped? One is in the afterlife. One is in their own, uh, you know, decay of of, of psych- like psychological functioning. It from time to time, well, he puts himself in a trap. Batman will never be satisfied because he will never like. Even though in the eighty nine film, he does actually find the person that is responsible for his you know current existence, his worldview. Uh, he's decided that he's going to take on all of crime. As like a personal affront, and Swayze just wants to make sure that Very selfish Molly is okay. You're mm-hmm. right. Swayze's an ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bruce Wayne is the good guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Swayze's like, let me save my girlfriend, then I'm out. That's it. Like, take me to heaven. That's it. He see. He probably think about all the other things he could have stopped as Super <laughs> Ghost in this film, and does nothing. Let me, let me apply this shit brain logic to <laughs> the real world. Like, okay, let's say we have a president that's not our current president, but just say a president. Just just, just think of God your will. vision of a, of a president. And they say, okay, this really bad thing happened. We could say George Bush if we want to. This really bad thing happened. You know, we were attacked. Um, let's go after that person. Let's, let's kill him. You know, and you're like, yeah, let's get him. And then after that, like, okay, let's, let's go back to just being a president. You're like, okay, it makes sense. What now? In contrast, what you're saying is you prefer the president that says this bad thing happened. Let's fight terror forever, <laughs> never yes. ending. Not as <laughs> okay. my president. I just wanted though. to make sure. I'm no, 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 no. Not as my president, but as a comic book character, sure. A never ending battle. I don't, I don't necessarily well, want Batman. Self-funded. 
Teddy. That's the one big difference. It's not my tax dollars. <laughs> work because it's okay. <laughs> okay, I got you. I'm totally okay with you. watching Batman uh, as not living in Gotham City. But the moment I live in Gotham City and I have to worry about that fascist, uh, things got to change a little bit. <laughs> Derek wants to be able to take a smoke break <laughs> wherever he wants. It's not a restricted area. Be put in a coma for it. This isn't my America, Teddy, so it doesn't <laughs> doesn't that matter. Well, that's a depressing way. <laughs> to end the episode of Ghost. Wait, I got I got one last thought on on just uh, the oh, the accessibility for uh, people to watch Ghost, and that is, you know, I think I think men and women both could enjoy this, and then if you're watching it with your kid, um, you know, I think they can get something out of it too. Because I know when I have kids, I'm going to look at my son or daughter, and when they see Carl being drugged down to hell, I'm going to look at it and say. And that's what happens if you don't eat your green beans. So, Teddy, you're even coming at it from more of a Batman perspective than Swayze. Mm-hmm. Swayze comes at it with the expectation that uh, you should have already known better because I believed in your inherent goodness. And you're using it as a threat <laughs> that the shadow spawn will come for you. Yeah. That didn't work yeah. for me, by the way. The shadow, shadow spawn. stuff. Uh, I mean, it was 1990s graphics, so. Yeah. They, they just, it's, it seems like if they had $10, they spent nine of it on the stairway to heaven. And, you know, 50 cents. That's the money shot, anyway. The, the illuminated Swayze. That's that's the one people actually, because that's the one that's going to be replayed yeah. in the uh, clip packages. Now, in 2020, gift-wise, the, the demons carrying the guy off is probably going to get played more, but, you know. I think because we live in dark times, or it's just a funnier gift. I mean, it's just all that matters yeah. for, for a cinematic le- legacy is how well that plays in a funny gift form. Exactly, I'm always looking for those gifts. <laughs> Silence. That's all I get. Nothing to play off of there. <laughs>